Hey, uh, I was just uh, remembering one reference. Just give me one second if you don't mind. Uh, and it was chapter two, I believe. Oh my God, two has so many. <laughs> uh, two is a big chapter. Which one does he say? Uh, you know, I am I am satisfied with myself. Atman Yeva Atmana Tushtaha. Chapter two. Which verse? Two sixty-eight, I think. Two sixty-eight? Fifty-eight, I think. Or fifty-four or something. Uh let me oh, see. Two fifty something. Yeah. Two fifty-eight, I think, yeah. Yeah. One who is able to withdraw just as a tortoise withdraws its limbs. No, it's not two fifty-eight. One who remains unattached, neither delayed, no. 54. Uh, 54, is it? Somebody said 54, I don't know. 54 is where it starts, you know, that's Arjuna Vacha. 54 is where it starts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. No, he gives the real nature of the Tithapragyan, right? Um Not controlled. Therefore, one was restrained. The senses. Okay, I'll I'll figure it out. Uh, just uh, because I, I I that is a very key. 55. 255. 55. 55. Yeah. Right. It's a very yeah. key reference. So and it is related to my ahas. So that's why. Uh, I didn't want to miss it. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, let me just uh, share my screen and then uh, I'll get started. Um, share screen. Hi, Manu. Morning. Can you see my screen? Yep. Yes. Slideshow mode will be Yes, I am going to slideshow. It will be a short presentation, um, but uh, really look forward to uh, any discussions. And I know we are a relatively smaller group today, but really look forward to our uh, discussion here. We've had several uh, beautiful presentations on this. So we'll see if we can continue that. Okay, so um, I kept the same uh, kind of uh, prayer uh, right from the beginning. Uh, all, you can see all the gurus here and uh, um, if it's okay with you all, we can uh, say this prayer. I'll just uh, chant it really quick. And I'm trying to move this away so I can read it. Okay. 
you can see the sanskrit and the english right yes okay i'll just chant uh, om man me manasi pratishtita manom eva chitpratishtitam avira virmayedi vedasya manista rudam me mahasirane nadithena horatram sandadami pradam vadashyami satyam vadashyami tanmamavatu tatvaktaram avatu avatu mam avatu vaktaram avatu vaktaram om shanti 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 so uh, of course thank you for the opportunity to meditate upon this and uh, homage to all the gurus uh, with that said i'll just go to my gratitude page as usual uh, to my mother and father uh, swami ji for his blessings to daivam and professor vk and of course to uh, you all and all of us uh, i put us as the upadana karanam Uh, the root material cause um and to the entire guru shishya lineage <laughs> i think uh, muku also was referring to the guru shishya lineage and the three different uh, ways the guru and uh, shishya interact last time which uh, i think myself and uh, basically all of us found uh, really insightful uh, i was thinking about that uh, then i uh, wrote the final uh, final gratitude here okay so chapter 10 ahas i i kept it as a like a uh, one one sentence by one sentence and then uh, we can talk about it uh, based on uh, what uh, whatever thoughts you all have or any questions or comments uh, and we can get into it um the way i tried to keep it was uh, a little bit more general and uh, see if i could make some references uh, several of these references we already talked about uh, but maybe uh, there might be uh, new findings here um, from you all so it is going to be kind of uh, the same thing that we saw um, and uh, but let, let's uh, go through it right um in in chapter 10 what i thought was the the glories uh, that krishna starts describing about himself um is basically to say that um you you cannot really imagine what i'm going to talk about and what kind of glories uh, i'm going to describe but uh, so that you you are going to be in complete awe um it's like a you know what donald rumsfeld used to say shock and awe um it's kind of that kind of a treatment here and uh, arjuna also doesn't stop he keeps kind of goading krishna along i found that very uh, interesting and intriguing because the way uh, krishna starts uh, talking is yeah i i really like you as my friend and disciple by this time he's arjuna as his disciple anyway and he says uh, i really like you as my friend and disciple uh, but so therefore i am happy to tell you about my glories and this is where uh, and and even if you were like arjuna like even if we were like a great warrior or uh, extremely knowledgeable or or whatever it may be uh, it comes not even close to what krishna is about to describe and krishna knows this already anyway um so i thought that uh, 
is a little bit tongue in cheek from krishna but he also knows that arjuna is going to ask him more and it's kind of a setup for the continuation of the uh, chapters 11 uh, visharupam and then chapter chapter 12 which gets into really deep into uh, the devotional aspects so with that if we go to the next one um so in 10.8 so this was another one and i'll come back to the first uh, uh, the glories uh, in a little bit so if you go to 10.8 i am the origin of all creation the the energy with which krishna says that is quite visible so here he basically kind of reveals himself as as this ishvara uh, energy um and we we've seen this and um, we have grappled with this several times right what is the nirguna brahman and saguna brahman and maya and what are the different relationships between those and ishvara being the saguna brahman um so here i think he is basically saying i am ishvara uh, he is declaring himself as i am ishvara and so uh, it's almost a, a proclamation um, but later on he also says i am the beginning middle and end so it's it's everything creation is not just that's why i put a capital c there creation is just uh, it means that it is the full circle it's not just creating and then uh, you know he's going to say bye and move on to the next one um, it's it's everything it's a completely closed loop um, that's what i got out of that 10.8 um, then he goes on to the glories you know and and there's a whole description from i think uh sorry i'll come back to that uh, there's a whole description from i think 10.11 or 12 wherever he starts when arjuna asks him and then he goes all the way to 39 uh talking about who he is and this is uh, one of the things that uh, you know i have to go back and read swami ji's uh, sorry listen to swami ji's excuse me lectures on this what i remember him saying and even this is also visible in some of the upanishads like if we listen to either swami ji's lectures or swami p's lectures one one of the any any one of their lectures right what i have seen is if there are a lot of names mentioned or if there are a lot of different types of glories like this that krishna is mentioning rattling off name after name after name or uh the sages are mentioned one generation after the next and he learned from me to uh, I, you know he learned from him to him to him to him and finally coming to me uh what swami ji has always said is don't worry about the specific names uh, that are referred to there what it means is it's a lot and that you cannot really fathom or you cannot really wrap your arms or your your limited human brain or brain or mind around um it it means that it is all encompassing that is kind of how i i interpreted that was one of my ahas here uh, is after this 10.8 uh, when krishna starts off and he's saying i am the uh, uh, in among sages i am bhrigu and i am i'm uh, i'm the 
among poetry and the like the gayatri meter and and he keeps on going like that um he's just saying that you know just <laughs> just fold your hands and listen that's basically what he's saying so that's uh, it, it's not i don't think it's to intimidate at all it is basically to make one very humble and uh, it is also to uh, and it's called vibhuti for a reason it's to talk about the glory which means krishna wants us to become more devoted and and it's a clear setup for uh, what is to come and that's the segue which i wanted to make for the next uh, revelation at least for me was uh, <clears throat> the satisfaction or tripti as we call it of the devotees um so imagine ishwara talking with the devotee and uh, i'm just calling the devotee a jivatma um as as uh, we have it in the in the scriptures and that's kind of what we have seen also ishwara talking to the jivatma as another way of describing the bhagavad gita um so bhakti yoga comes in because he talks about how the devotees take so much satisfaction uh, in talking about uh, his glories and starts setting us up for the for the coming chapters so krishna is clearly getting warmed up and uh, uh, he uh, he's trying to get our curiosity aroused for sure uh, when he gets into this and uh, then this is this is the why i was looking for the reference when a devotee um it, it's like this really beautiful intersection of bhakti yoga and and the sitapragyan description i think uh was aha is when you have complete tripti within yourself and that's what 2.55 is the sitapragyan is uh it means the self is when when you are happy with your you know capital s self then you are a stita pragyan and uh, um and he kind of connects that with how the devotees are completely satisfied thinking about the bhagwan's glories so that was a, a kind of a real um uh, strong aha for me and uh, in 10.14 as krishna is getting into this more and more and he's getting warmed up arjuna says i totally accept your truth i completely agree with everything that you're saying so in a in a lighter vein i thought that uh, arjuna's kind of you know uh, how we say you know uh, putting chabi and saying krishna you, you got to tell me more keep give keep giving me i i really like this stuff and he's kind of uh, buttering him uh, quite a bit and of course uh, krishna loves that and he keeps going that's not really a aha but i just thought it was funny um so 10.19 to 39 like like we uh, just saw um description of the glories the only the only other thing that uh, kind of struck my mind when i was uh, walking through this is um the way krishna and 
uh, Vyasa have described all these verses, uh, the 2021 verses here. Um, we can pretty much figure out when these events happened in our uh, limited sense of uh, time timelines and such. Uh, they could have happened a long time ago, but in the if we want to put a dot in the you know uh, in the sands of history or something like that, then we can figure out the timings of where these things happened because some of the descriptions are clear indications of, uh, you know, for example, he talks about the calendar. Uh, you know, among the months of the calendar, I am this Margari. Um, among the sages, I am like Brigu. So you, you can put a lot of these things and triangulate and say, this is kind of when, uh, these, these are the time frame. This, is, this was the time frame or these are the time frames that Krishna was talking about. Um, that was one other thing I got out of it. I, I and I thought that everybody, um, like all the discussions we have had so far, um, everybody uh, got into certain of these glories uh, really deeply. Um, but I did not get uh, deep into any of those glories, at least not for this uh, presentation. But um, but all of those were extremely beautiful. And the last one here, uh, and I'll have one more slide to just refer to uh, uh, another reference that came to mind. So 10.40 to 42, um, 10.40 and then 41 and then 42. Three times uh, he repeats. And this is another thing that uh, I always go back to uh, Swamiji or uh, anyone, any of the Swamiji's, right? If the Bhagavad Gita or the Upanishad or any Veda repeats the thing two times, three times, that means that means it wants you to really introspect and understand and absorb that, and that means that it is extremely important. So, in uh, ten point forty, Krishna says, "All these glories." They're all like a mere sample. I've just given you a sample of it. Again, the same reference. You know, you don't need to get into every one of them. Uh, each one of them is beautiful in, in its own respect. But they're all just to give you a sampling. And then in 41, he says, all this, this universe, this whole thing is just a fraction. And these glories are all just a fraction. Then again in 10.42, he says, this is just a spark of my splendor. What Whatever you heard so far is just a spark of my splendor. And that I think, uh, well, I, I put it uh, in a very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, he's saying all oh, this is jujube for me. Uh, you know, I'm just going to brush it off. It's nothing. Uh, but the, the real thing is, if you are saying that, then I want to see the real you, which is what Arjuna uh, which is what Krishna knows that is uh, he wants Arjuna to ask and he does ask him. And then we go into chapter 11. Beautiful transition into chapter 11, uh, I thought. Um, th this is in my mind, uh, I thought that, you know, in all the transitions we have seen, this is like a, a really, uh, for me, it was a uh, probably arguably the best transition into the next uh, chapter and setting us up very nicely. Um, 
and then he says uh, <clears throat> i also thought this was a reference to the creation aspect and the universe itself being a fraction of the uh, infinite uh, brahman uh, kind of uh, uh, thinking okay so uh, the only other thing i'll i'll just wrap up with this very quickly um, if you remember last uh, uh, summer i got the opportunity to sit in uh, swami spg's ashtavakra kita lectures here in atlanta for two days over a weekend and this chapter kind of reminded me and took me back to that because it was talking about the splendor and glory and why all this is just a, a little i'm just talking about a spark of my splendor you, you have to think much 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 broader and wider than that so the three levels of ashtavakra so I'll, i'll just bring it back and i was reflecting upon it um so level 1 is in me the ocean of consciousness the universe floats like a little boat uh, like the breeze only here it's internal to the boat like an oar so that was the level 1 in that ashtavakra that uh, swami spg referred to and the next level of thinking is in me the infinite ocean of consciousness the universe rises and falls like a wave so it's just a wave uh, but the real ocean is is all of the water in it and then the last level is the infinite in me in you the infinite ocean of uh, existence consciousness bliss or sachidananda the universe is an illusion uh, this do i abide from eternity to eternity and i know that uh, i know alpana is not here with us today but she had a very beautiful description when uh, when we were discussing this level 3 uh, uh, but going back to i mean if you look at this and look at the splendor and the glories that krishna is describing it's it's a i thought it was a very nice connection i just happened to have these notes so i just copied that slide and put it here saying hey uh, this seems like it is uh, it's kind of uh, deeply connected here to this uh, to these things that uh, swami spg presented and uh, <clears throat> thank you very much awesome thank you thank you guns thank you thank you well summarized Guns, can you explain this level one to me? I did not quite clearly understand the the metaphor here. Um. So, in me, the ocean of consciousness, the universe floats like a little boat. Um. So, the way um, Swami S P G described it was, if you, um. we have to uh, reverse our thinking from physical reality to the reality of the consciousness which means um the universe is a very transient reality right everything gets created then it exists for some time and then it goes away but if you look at it from the perspective of the self or the the consciousness itself then this universe is basically you can reduce it to a small boat in if you consider the consciousness as an ocean then the universe is kind of here it is physical it is physically existing okay and it is it is a boat and it's just floating around uh, based on whatever 
the water movements are this is kind of how uh, swami ji uh, described it it's floating around and and like the breeze um so so it's only internal to the boat so whatever consciousness we have sitting inside the boat right it's it's just uh, it's all internal to the boat but if you zoom out of it and look at it as a the consciousness as a complete ocean then the universe is just a, a physical being just paddling around you know uh, without basically without any control okay got it thank you yeah. hey uh, guns uh, in the previous slide you mentioned about yeah. uh, this thing right <clears throat> uh the time uh, we can uh, the time frame in which all this uh, happened we can figure out based on some yeah. of the you can you talk more about what you meant by that please so what i meant by that was uh, you know some how do we pinpoint so if somebody says you know when when did this conversation take place or when did this battle itself take place and all that this is one of the indications so krishna describes 20 different things right among yeah. the vedas and the samaveda so you know that the samaveda was already done it was released it was published and everybody knew about it then he talks about among sages and bhrigu so if you can identify when bhrigu lived and then among the calendar months i am the mag uh, margari i think that's what he says yeah. um and then among uh, among something else i i forget the the real things okay so all i'm saying is if you take four or five of these quote and quote facts that krishna is giving then you can figure out historically when these events would have happened and then you can pinpoint okay this is when this conversation happened in our human uh, uh, the way we talk about history like 3000 years I... ago or like that yeah that's what i meant okay thanks but i just said timings in this universe because that's how we describe it right uh, yeah thank you yeah alpana has joined by the way ah okay so then i will if you sure. don't mind alpana i will put you on the spot um i was referring to the ashtavakra lectures from swami spg um and uh, i know that for this level 3 that i am showing here you had a very nice description uh, especially for this thus uh, do i abide from eternity to eternity um which i yes, can I... what these three represent so the first one is dwait so there is this consciousness and then there is real world <clears throat> both of the two entities are real so there are two then the second one represents vishishta dwait so there is ocean which has water and same water has formed the waves so in the vishishta dwait uh, it is one reality but there is part and there is whole so ocean is the whole and waves are different parts of it and the ocean is part of it so that is vishishta advait and then the third level is the advait where only the consciousness exists um the universe is just an illusion so it's uh, projected in it by the ignorance itself 
So the three levels are actually Dwait, Vishishta Dwait to Advait is what it oh. is trying to say. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Next. That's that's uh, much better than how I described it. <laughs> I think you, you said it well as well. Yeah. Awesome. Guns, thank you so much. Excellent uh, slides for this. Anybody else? I know that uh, nobody has, uh, uh, you know, uh, said to present in the WhatsApp group. So, but I'm just checking in. Anybody else wants to present? Last chance. Going one, going two, going three. No, I don't want to present, but uh, just a couple of thoughts, Rajesh. I thought I'll kind of just from my sort of the way I understood this. Yeah, chapter. go ahead. And you can I turn on your camera if you want. I can, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it works. So, two things which kind of I took away was just the fact that, you know, we want, you know, we are, we, we look at the world outside a lot more easily than we look inwards. I mean, you know, med, you know spirituality is all about looking inwards and, uh, you know, looking at our true self, the consciousness, etc. So, there is this whole thing around meditation and you know, inward thinking. But naturally, we look at the world outside. And I think, in a way, this chapter is very helpful from a practical standpoint, because it's basically saying anything that you look outwards is the glory of Bhagavan, right? And that is easier for ordinary mortals like us. And in some ways, it also allows you to look at the world very differently from the way we did earlier. And I am thinking more in terms of, you know, people uh, who we don't necessarily like or agree with. And as I go through this and, you know, reflect on it and listen to all of you, I increasingly kind of am more accepting of, you know, contrarian views or people who I disagree with or I don't like simple as that, right? So I think to that extent, I found this this chapter very, very helpful because it sort of is more inclusive in the way everything is Brahman or everything is you know, the same consciousness. And in some ways, it goes back to the whole theory of karma, which is everyone is doing what they have to do. And so there is no point sort of quibbling over small things uh, and that at the end of the day we're all on this journey and we'll all get there so in some ways this really helped me sort of you know pull myself into a different sort of thought process and that's point number one and related to that i mean one of the things in terms of the vibhutis of bhagwan is is around is around vad uh, I think, Alpna, you had explained three or four different kinds of debates, if you will. And I really, really like this this thing about how Vada is described, which in common parlance, I think, is Vad Vivad, where, you know, you, you know, in particularly in the world that we live in, everyone is trying to prove their own point of view or truth or you know, everyone is looking at it from their vantage points and people are extremely inflexible, right? Uh, and there is this thing about us versus them or me versus you or whatever, where you're kind of saying, you know, I win when 
my point of view is accepted by the other person and the same thing is there everywhere and no one wins right whereas when you the way they describe vada is you basically are not looking to prove or disprove your viewpoint you're basically focused on discovering the truth what is right and again in the sort of context of the world that we live in with polarization and extreme views and left and right and all <clears> of <throat> stuff right i thought that was a very sort of um just just the right thing that the world needs is to not focus on your view or my view but focus on the truth right and you know you could argue that the truth is closer to my point of view or otherwise but it really requires much like when we talk about spirituality to have an open mind as long as as as, as soon as you have an open mind you are more uh, you're not sort of wedded to a point of view and then the goal is not to kind of prove yourself right but to get to the truth which i think is if, if i mean in, if you think about it i mean if people start to think like that you know the world would be a much better place right mm-hmm. so both these things for me were very relevant from a practical standpoint so i thought i'll mention them thank you no awesome uh, ajay i think that was very beautiful practical application of this chapter 10 and in fact uh, you know just digging deeper into what you said right this was the progress what happened in my own spiritual journey also right so uh, if you if you if you just reflect back on what you said at the beginning of your conversation you spirituality is all about going inside and then and then you know you also look at outside that's that's the then you're making a distinction between inside and outside now if you break that thing down further you know where we draw as inside and outside is probably at a body level okay we say that whatever is inside is within this construct of human what i think i am at this point of time whether you would say it or not that's what we think today okay and then you say okay rest of things is outside but this is inside but the point is there's a giant leap from that step to saying that okay there is no inside and outside there is only one thing and when exactly. once and this chapter actually says that okay because i am hamatna gudakesha is what he starts with saying that i am in everybody and 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 i am in everybody is can be understood saying that that entity is me or that entity is somebody else who is also inside me okay and when somebody understands saying that that entity is also inside me uh, then there's a distinction between in, inside and outside but then when you say that entity is me suddenly the barriers for you uh, and the universe where you draw that line to separate out just drops and then it becomes so easy to start accepting the uh, quote unquote contrarian or the, uh, apparently contrarian views about how how life should be looked at correct correct absolutely i mean just practically i mean i you know whenever i have this sort of you know if if, if my my sort of my thoughts disagree or revolt against something or i have this negative emotion you know i kind of i have i'm increasingly kind of stepping back and saying why am i doing this it's okay right and that's sort of really helping in terms of this whole idea that everything is 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 god's vibhuti right and uh, it's not always successful not always positive there is still still some dwesh if you will which stays you know but overall i feel like you know i'm i'm, I'm finding myself in a much better place 
Awesome. Good. Hey, yeah. Um, when you were talking, Ajay, it was uh, very beautiful the way you put it. And I think that is a great transition, like like uh, Guntax was saying, that uh, it it will click at different points in time for uh, for us. And uh, you can see that while you were talking, I was just looking it up. You can see that in 10.4 and 5, uh, I'll just read the English that I saw in the, uh, like, ha that I have in front of me. From me alone arise the varieties of qualities in humans, such as intellect, knowledge, clarity of thought, forgiveness, truthfulness, control over the senses and mind, joy and sorrow, birth and death, fear and courage, Nonviolence, equanimity, contentment, austerity, charity, fame, and infamy. So he's basically saying, "No, no worries. <laughs> it's all just you, me. There's no difference. You know, just, just it goes on, and that's it." Uh, it, it was beautiful. I think uh, your insight is is very, very. Uh, uh, how would I put it? Very nice, nicely put. Yeah, no, both the points were very beautifully narrated, Ajay. Um, I think, yeah, the first one, my thoughts were uh, slightly similar to what uh, uh, Rajesh was saying that, you know, if you think you are the innermost, there is no inside anyways. And you are as outside as the world outside. So the moment you start thinking this body-mind as well to be that outside, which is also the other outside, uh, it gives a very different, uh, what it looks like you're done talking. So, oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it prompts, it looks like you're done talking, so please lower your hand. And this is the first time I saw it. So I was thinking, what is that? So so yeah. that was one thing that, uh, you know, uh, if we go to the innermost and say that is what we are, everything is outside. There is actually, there is no in going inside yeah. of that. So that was just one thing which I wanted to highlight. And then the other one was just for um, the Vad one. I just wanted to summarize it here for everybody's benefit. The four types are Samvad, Vad, Jalp and Vitand. So those are the four types of uh, debates or conversations. So Samvad is between teacher and student. So it's mostly monologous. The student just questions the when they don't understand it. So there's no uh, questioning the uh, the philosophy that the teacher has put in. What what's covered here? This is in the Gurukul times. You know what the teacher says, and then the student accepts it. If the student doesn't understand it, they'll question it, but not question the teacher, what they're saying. So that's Sambhad. The second one is Vad, which is the one uh, I think we are referring to that where both the parties, they question the concept uh, to arrive at the truth. So not necessarily to, to say you are wrong or I am right or I am wrong or you know feeling anything at the end of it, you arrive at the truth. So there's no uh, win or lose situation here. The third one is uh, Jalp. Jalp is where you listen to the argument to cut it. So your whole purpose of listening is not to understand what others' point of view is, but you'll pick up some point and say, oh, this is not correct. And you you try to 
debate against that. So that is Jal. And then the fourth one is Vitand, which is interesting. You don't listen to the argument. You look at the person. You Google what I can get against that person. And you start debating on that. So there's no relation to the argument against what is being said. But it is to question the credibility of the speaker so that whatever is being said is just discounted off later on. So those you've are the no, four. You've, so you've got no viewpoint. You just kind of kill the other. Yeah. You are yeah. just trying to kill the credibility of the person itself. So it doesn't matter what the person is saying. And, and then, so those are the four. So I found them very interesting. So, so I said, I'll I'll I can just, repeat the third one once again. Third is Jalp, J-A-L-P-A. Jalp is where you have a viewpoint and you just want to establish that. And you hear the other person, the moment it is something against your viewpoint, you'll just pick there and not let the conversation go there it, and just try to establish, oh, no, this is wrong and mine is the one which is right. It's what's happening in the world around us. I mean, everyone has a point of view and I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. And you yeah. pick up one yeah. little thing. Is it, which called, is... <laughs> is it called Vitandvad or just Vitand? Vitand. Yeah, Vitandvad. Vitandvad is Vidandavadam. We say yeah. that in, in Tamil. I think yeah, Vadam 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 Vadam. Something like that. Yeah. And the second one is just Vad. Just that Vad. Yeah, just where keep... you are just... arguing to establish the truth. Doesn't matter whose viewpoint it is I... coming from. Yeah. So that's the one he is, he said. So so interestingly, just to just to explain this, right, and I'm just reading out at the end of every chapter, you know, it says, for example, in chapter end of chapter 10, right? Iti Srimad Bhagavad Gita Su, Upanishad Su, Brahma Vidyayam, Yoga Shastre, and this is the keyword. Sri Krishna Arjuna Samvade. Okay. That's the first in one, the yeah. Samvada of Sri Krishna Arjuna. <coughs> okay, Vibhuti Yoga Nama Dashamodhyaya. So it's a Samvad in this case. Krishna is saying, and Arjun is asking what he doesn't understand. He is not questioning Krishna that, oh, what you're saying is wrong. No, I, wherever he said, he said, I think I have not understood it. Yeah. I am not clear about it. So, yeah. so understanding that. So that's Sambat. That is awesome. Good revision. <laughs> Yeah. What happens in uh, Arnab Goswami's show is Vidandava. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> nobody listens to anything on the other side. Correct. And today the only... second one is purely va Vadan, is it? Vad. Yeah. yeah. Just Vad. Pure Vad. <clears throat> yeah, that is just the, the seeking the truth through uh, debate and argument. Kind of yeah. thing. So that is an honest seeking of the truth. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Without uh, the other like Vedanta and uh, Jal happening. That's Purely right. seeking the truth. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the fact came from, but you all discuss yeah. whatever is then logically established is taken as the yeah. truth. Yeah. You're not yeah. trying to win over. Yeah. Yeah. So it is almost like a scientific. Correct. What uh, in what we call scientific? Like I want to I want to know the truth. And and uh, we get into that in the mothership all the time. And I think uh, Alpana, you you try to do vadam, but uh, a lot of times it is either jalp or vidant happening. <laughs> That's just my observation. Yeah. 
right. and just just wanted to highlight one more thing so uh, in ashtavaksh since you mentioned it so i'm doing ashtavaksh so <coughs> actually uh, similar points came where uh, um, ashtavaksh is saying that a gyani he not the gyani but in general our mind the moment we are faced with any event or any person we are constantly trying to measure that against our approval and disapproval norms that we have formed whether it's anything we come across with or any person what they are saying so we actually begin to judge immediately you know when we are faced with so we are very we are, we are actually very rigid about our opinions that this is what is right this is what is wrong this is what i approve of this is what i disapprove but these are our norms so we shouldn't impose them on the world the world may not agree with our norms so i think we need to loosen this rigidity and you know not be so judgmental about it so that's that's one thing which ashtavakra said and right after that was actually he says the gyani doesn't do any ninda or stuti so usually we stuti we we always say right bhagwan ki stuti karni chahiye so you know tell the glories about god and so so immediately after that uh, swami p said that that means it shouldn't be a false flattery it's okay to appreciate like and he gave the example of chapter 10 so that's why i think it was very stinky those vibhutis those glories are real so these are not fa- false flattery uh, i remember that when you also said buttering krishna so i was going to say <laughs> I didn't know whether you joined. No, I I heard that, and that's where I was like, I was keen to share that point as well. That uh, he says it's okay to do do stuti where the achievements and the glories are real, but do not do false flattery of anybody just because you want something out of it. Yeah, and I'm pretty uh, sure Krishna knew what uh, where Arjuna was coming from, so he. he was just but anyway in the end he says all this is basically like one spark and that that description is just uh, mind boggling uh, the way he finishes that chapter yeah. contacts uh, you are on mute yes i am okay <laughs> i think that is really fantastic good revision i think uh... both uh, guns you and uh, chai and then you know uh, we probably looks like we probably uh, concluding <coughs> chapter 10 now for us i think i don't think anybody else is going to revise so should we start off with purusha sukta next week we can uh, the only uh, thought i had or a comment i had was chapter 11 can be very powerful also so did others have any thoughts on that or um yeah purusha suktam is also very uh, you know descriptively it is it's uh, pretty phenomenal yeah it's a it's a nice segue into uh, sort of understanding uh, uh, a beautiful sukta that has been there from the rigveda times so and that that sort of straddles between chapter 10 and chapter 11 it's short and, and i didn't want to keep it uh, too long 
So maybe in a one or two sessions, we can complete it. So the way that I'm suggesting is that there's one video that I sent across. And then two uh, Krishnananda Swami's uh, uh, posts. I think maybe what we should do is we should read the entire thing, watch that video uh, in one shot. Okay. And then maybe spend the time to just basically discuss it. And of course, Alpana, you, you provided that 69-page, 89-page book also. I'm not expecting anybody to read that uh, in detail. But if in case you are, somebody is curious, you can refer to that. But otherwise, uh, you know, if we just go through this video and uh, read Krishnananda's uh, uh, blog, I think we'll be we'll have a good bird's eye view of what Purusha Sutta says, and then you can start connecting the dots between what we have learned in chapter ten so far, and then wait with bated anticipation of what the chapter eleven is going to reveal. Ah, okay. I thought you were expecting us to read all eighty-nine pages in two weeks. No, 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 no. That, that's like you know, that's like one-year project. I don't think we should even do that. We should. Okay. The whole idea is not to deviate too much from Gita, but at the same time, take some logical breaks and you know, uh, try to intersperse with something which is relevant. That's all was intention. And we may not, we may not need to know everything in what Purusha Sukta says. And if something is uh, quote unquote mis. Um, mistakenly understood or even incorrectly understood, it's still fine. It's no problem with it. Hey, uh, Guntax, I can see your video that you have yeah. shared. I cannot uh, 